The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Tens of thousands usually flock to the Vatican for Palm Sunday services. But last Sunday, the bells rang in an empty St. Peter's Square before the Pope said Mass inside the Basilica with only a few prelates, nuns, and lay people. In this country, churches are trying online services. I want you to rethink about your future. Drive through communions. Pray that you will just cover her with protection. And even outdoor services with pastors preaching from flatbed trucks and church members parked in cars with their radios tuned to a low-power FM transmitter to hear this. And all God's people honked and said amen. But some pastors are defying governor's stay-at-home orders, saying it violates religious freedoms and their constitutional rights. Louisiana pastor Tony Spell was arrested last month for holding services in violation of the governor's stay-at-home order. But he still held services for hundreds at his church on Palm Sunday. People's hope is in the house of God. If they do contract the virus, if they have fears of the virus, the church is more essential now than ever to pray with people. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear had dire words for another pastor, Jack Roberts, after he opened his church doors for services. Spread the virus, and at Christmas he's going to have fewer people in his congregation. Joining me is Richard Garnett, a professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School. So, Rick, can governors order churches not to hold services? Yes, they do have the power to issue stay-at-home type regulations, and they can limit large in-person gatherings even if those limits are applied to religious gatherings. Now, what they couldn't do is it would be impermissible to target churches for special regulations. If you were a governor, you couldn't say, you know, it's fine to keep open the baseball games and the bowling leagues, but the churches, they've got to all shut down. So you can't target them, you can't discriminate against them. But if you have a general neutral rule against public gatherings, you're allowed to apply that to churches as well. And that's true even in states that have religious freedom laws, like the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, because any court I can imagine is going to say that the burden on this religious exercise, which is, it is a serious burden, especially this time of year, that that burden satisfies the so-called strict scrutiny requirement that a lot of these laws have. More than 40 state governors have issued stay-at-home orders, but about 14 of them have exempted religious gatherings. The Florida governor said he didn't think he could tell a church not to hold services. Yeah, I think he's probably wrong about that. Governors do have the power, again, to limit large gatherings of people in order to serve this public health emergency, again, so long as they're not targeting churches. But at the same time, it's true that governors have the authority, if they want, to provide limited exemptions in order to take account of how serious and important religious services are to many people. 
I'm not a public health expert, so I, I wouldn't purport to say whether those exemptions are good policy or not, but I, I don't believe they're legally required. And there's been a lot of variation from state to state in terms of how these orders have been crafted. Some governors have left open parks, others have closed them. Some have set the threshold on the gathering at different levels. That's to be expected in the federal system. I think the key point for churches is that governments are not allowed to discriminate against religious services, but they are allowed to include religious gatherings under the heading of these larger gatherings. Now, what would be problematic is if a governor said, oh, I'm going to exempt all kinds of other gatherings and clubs from the stay-at-home order, but we're going to really stick it to the churches. You can't have that kind of singling out or discrimination against religious services. In the state of Texas, Three pastors are suing. They're challenging the constitutionality of a stay-at-home order, and they cite the fact that gun stores are open for business as essential in Texas. So why shouldn't churches? Well, right, and basically what these pastors are trying to do is to make the argument that I was just describing, that these stay-at-home orders are not neutral, they're not generally applicable, that they're kind of picking and choosing and, and targeting even churches. Now, you know, what's what's essential is going to be somewhat in the eye of the beholder, but it is true that if a particular order is exempting all kinds of gatherings and really only cracking down on religious ones, that is going to raise some judicial eyebrows. In my own state, of Indiana, you know, we don't have an exemption for religious gatherings, so they're they're shut down if there are over 10 people, I believe. But that's been applied broadly and in a neutral way. I suspect that's going to be what happens in Texas as well, for what it's worth, that these challenges will be unsuccessful, because courts are not going to want to second-guess, especially in a time of a public health emergency. They're not, they're not going to want to second-guess the politically accountable decision-makers who have to make these judgment calls about what needs to be open and what needs to be shut. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. In fact, a, a judge in Florida recently refused to order the beaches closed against the governor's order, saying that it really wasn't up to him to make that kind of a decision when there was a public health emergency. Yeah, I mean, the way our kind of separation of powers ideas work, whether it's the state level or the federal level, is courts are going to be pretty reluctant to engage in this kind of judgment call policymaking, and they should be. The role of a court, like in the religious freedom context, would be to say, okay, if, let's imagine it's a state that has a a religious freedom law, if these stay-at-home orders are imposing a substantial burden on religious exercise, and again, especially during Holy Week and Passover, it seems like they are, is that burden serving a compelling state interest? That's the kind of legal buzzword we use. And almost any court I can imagine is going to defer to the decisions of the relevant administrators or political officials. So it doesn't matter if it's the governor or it's a local official, let's say a mayor? Well, this gets kind of in the weeds because state law controls how much power mayors have. But I think for our purposes as a general matter, it it doesn't really matter. The local executive, again, I'm speaking generally, is going to have the authority, at least as a preliminary matter, to make the kind of cost-benefit analysis that is behind these orders. 
you know, how far up the chain of command a local official's decision can be appealed. That really varies from state to state, depending on how state governments are structured. But certainly the governor, and this is you know an ancient idea of the police power and so on, state legislatures and governors are going to have a pretty broad power to respond to public health issues and, and um, order stay-at-home orders and other similar regulations. Let me ask you this, Rick, because let's just take the example of a pastor in Louisiana who held services on Palm Sunday, despite being charged multiple times with violating that state ban. In some states and cities, they're charging these pastors, they're serving them with summonses. I don't think anyone has been hauled off to jail yet, but that's a bad look, isn't it? I would think that for a lot of political officials, that would be a bad look, and they would very much want to avoid that. At the same time, I I suppose you could say that for a lot of religious believers, it's a bad look to see pastors and other religious leaders kind of deliberately flouting rules that public health officials are telling us are important in order to stop the spread of, of the virus. I think that kind of cuts both ways. You know, in my in my own religious community, the Catholic bishops have been pretty united in, in saying, like, look, we really miss mass this week, but these orders are legal and they're temporary measures and they're justified. And so, you know, we have to find ways to be together spiritually that don't violate the rules. But you're certainly right. The last thing a political official wants is, you know, video of pastors getting hauled off to jail for holding church services. But be that as it may, officials are allowed to regulate large gatherings. And whether or not there are exemptions to those gatherings is going to be a a political question that courts are probably going to defer to legislators on and to and to officials on. Has the Supreme Court ever ruled in a situation similar to this? Is there any case you can extrapolate from? Well, it's, it's tricky to say similar. I mean, at one level, you could just say the, the famous Employment Division versus Smith stands for the general proposition that governments are allowed to issue neutral regulations, even if they affect religious practice. But you can go back to earlier cases having to do with regulations in the interest of the public health, even when they burden religious practice. I think there's a famous one called Prince versus Massachusetts from back in the 40s. So, you know, thank God this doesn't come up all that often. But I think the precedents that we have do support the ability of governments to issue orders like this and to apply them to gatherings, even if those gatherings are religious in nature. I just question whether this is going to be more fodder for the culture wars, more divisions, science versus religion, and, you know, some pastors even saying that it's it's political persecution. Yeah, that's a risk, and I'm keeping an eye on that as well. I do think that it's important, a little perspective that is, that the vast majority of religious leaders and religious communities are, even though it's painful this time of year in particular, are complying with these orders. It's a very small subset of groups and leaders who have kind of thumbed their nose or, you know, called into question the scientific basis. My sense is there's a pretty broad consensus that at least for now, as a temporary measure, these limits on gathering are appropriate. So my, my hope is that it won't create this kind of bad feeling and skepticism, and, and, and also that religious believers who do have plenty of reasons to complain sometimes about burdensome government regulations. As someone who cares a lot about religious freedom, one doesn't want to cry wolf. There are threats to religious freedom out there, but this probably, at least in my personal judgment, is not the most glaring one. This strikes me as being an occasion of where the regulations are reasonable and sensitive to the burdens that are being put on religious believers. Thanks, Rick. That's Richard Garnett, a professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School. 
Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.